Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, I've crossed the 173,000 listens on this podcast, and I have about 3 million views on Stack Overflow. And at one time, I was in Amazon's top 600. So I would say my a lot of my listeners have listened to me for quite a while under different names, and and then I've had an influence on the way people have thought for several decades. And, you know, it's difficult to build a presence, but once you get a momentum going, it's like people are wondering where you've been all and you're like, well, I've been here all along, just working in the background. But the thing that I find really interesting is that even though I read, let's say, 2,000-plus books, which I don't read that much anymore. I, I mostly read archaeology right now and and uh, history. And my wife and I talk about that. Each evening I read to her and we talk about different things and uh and so things seem like they've really slowed down i i i'm I'm, uh, not on my aggressive path to read lots of books but the ones that i did read and that stay out stand out in my mind are are ones that uh probably are not read that much by the general population like Day of the Reckoning, you know, Financial Reckoning books, or uh, Return to Deflation Economics. But these were really critical books because they explained how the world worked. And so I started writing a book called uh, The Way the World Works. And, And it's still in the works. But it, the, the book began to highlight many aspects of the financial world and how central banks control currencies, how currencies, uh, you know, the current currency war that's going on between the United States, Iran, Russia, China, um, and how that, if, how the central banks use currency swaps to stabilize their their crashing currencies. You know, if it wasn't for China, Russia's economy would be completely destroyed by now. The ruble would be basically worth nothing. And and so the Russian people, I listened to Gorbachev on YouTube and he, and he said the Russian people came to him and said Please, Mr. Gorbachev, we can tolerate many things, but we can't tolerate a prolonged war. And so, as I was talking in the podcast uh, yesterday about how the U.S. economy actually works in a sine wave where there's periods of high prosperity during peace, 
and during war, there's high levels of debt. And war is very inflationary, so if if uh, the, the war in Ukraine between the, the Ukraine and Russia is affecting inflation in America, because war in itself is inflationary. And so then, uh, for the U.S., if we we are not engaged in that war, then we can pay back debt with cheaper money. Because as the economy inflates, that would mean that our currency has less buying power. And so the PVP should the power purchasing parity should cost more for products. And I did see that. I did see that presentation where they showed a pallet of wood and how much that that cost, what they could have got for $1,000 in the previous year versus what they could get for $1,000 today. So inflation is infecting the purchasing of materials. And so we're going to see higher cost of it for everything, higher cost for buildings, higher cost for food, higher cost for energy, and the government's going to be taxing more. So a higher percentage of our our income is going to be diverted towards taxes. And uh, and during this time period, we can use uh, the higher inflation to pay down our debt quickly. It should be, you know, it seems like that would be counterintuitive, right? Is that if the economy is growing fast, it's heating up, the idea would be to increase debt. More expensive, buy that new electric vehicle car for $100,000. And so we're paying higher prices for things like electric vehicles, electric semis, and the idea behind that is that those those uh, particular new technologies will be disruptive. One of the things that I find somewhat interesting by Nikola is that it did not make its move introduction into hydrogen, that it, it made its move into electric battery semis. And uh, and that could mean that they intend to postpone the delivery of their hydrogen vehicles, which the hydrogen vehicle is going to have a longer range than the battery-powered semi. It's going to have a lower cost of operation. And they could have easily built a trailer-sized hydrogen reformer and that connected to a high-voltage outlet and, using a catalyst, produce hydrogen on demand. It's really baffling, the game that they're playing. And again, uh, I think the direct question to them would be, 
why did you choose to delay your hydrogen vehicle? And I think there must be some level of fear politically. And again, this is where the politics and business uh, will create strange behaviors. And those those behaviors then may not be economically driven, but politically driven. And so for that reason, I'm somewhat uh, critical, or I guess critical should be, <clears throat> might be the wrong word, but I'm baffled by the move that, that Nicola did. And uh, it seems like a strange act, especially when they know that hydrogen fuel cell vehicles will be a net positive on the energy grid. And so in a time and age where renewables are the big charge, why not use hydrogen as a net positive on the grid and produce almost as much energy as the grid is being consumed right now. Could you imagine if you took a million semis that were hydrogen-based and every evening or all whenever they're not uh, in, in trans, transit, that they're putting energy back on the grid, a hydrogen fuel cell stack, you know, capable of kilowatts of energy per hour, putting that energy back on the grid, and then consuming energy when they need to refill for the hydrogen, uh, their hydrogen tanks. So it really made more sense to move to the hydrogen, and I guess they they uh, didn't see Hyundai as a threat. But I I'll see uh, I'll bet that Hyundai uh, with their fuel cell semis will begin to strongly position in throughout the world as the leader in hydrogen fuel cell semis. And if they uh, don't get disrupted by war in the Taiwan region, then we'll see Hyundai continue to, to prosper in this area. And I think that then once they get the semis in route and they, you know, the large buses, the trains, and they're, you know, moving these, uh, everything is moving to hydrogen quick, quickly, they can get the 10% adoption, then we will see uh, a much more rapid acceleration of purchases of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles just because of the cost effectiveness of the, of the semi and the reduction in the fuel cost. So one of the other areas that I've been uh, thinking about is imagery of the Bible. I've, I've been um, thinking about 
the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is a sign to God of how we uh, feel about Him and the type of people we are. Are we the type of people that like delight in Sabbath day worship? And it is the Lord's day. He says it is His day. So if we steal that day away from Him, can we expect to not feel his anger and there's never been a time where God has rewarded a man for their wickedness only for their righteousness and so if we are uh, observing the Sabbath and we keep within the bounds of the Lord's set we can then enjoy the blessing of Sabbath day worship, which is to be removed out of Babylon, that we can be sanctified, meaning that we can become holy like um, he's holy. So we become the type of people that we need to become to enjoy Sabbath as a delight. And these are some of the things that I think are important. Um, Well, and I was actually thinking about the penalties and one of the things that the penalties have made me aware of is that God lets us feel the consequences of our choices. He sets a boundary. And when you're going through addiction recovery, one of the things that is necessary for change is to establish a boundary and that boundary requires the addict to feel the consequence of his actions. In martial arts, the violation of those boundaries can be lethal. So we know that the law can inflict a penalty, a harsh penalty, and that the law is necessary for change. If I it didn't believe in justice, then I would say there is no law, and if there's no law, there's no punishment. But God is just, he has laws, and he has punishments affixed. Well, then the question arises, how do I resolve um, sin? Because I will, at some point, whether I rebelliously or somewhat naively or indirectly transgress one of God's laws therefore 
be caught in sin. See, sin is a transgression of some law of God, not necessarily of man. And uh, and that causes me to feel remorse, guilt, and hopefully not shame, because shame is the root uh, cause of addiction. But as I do so, there must be a penalty affixed for the violation of that law. So how is that resolved? It is through the atonement of Jesus Christ. We can be so grateful for that atonement, his atonement, because he has paid or can pay for those transgressions or sins. And it says, though our sins be red as scarlet, they can be white as, we can become white as snow. And we resolve ourselves back or into the presence of God through Christ's atonement. Wonderful, beautiful, marvelous, powerful Messiah. I I was talking, we were talking about Isaiah 50 last night, and I brought that up uh, at one point in the discussion about how the Jews, by in Cyrus, when they were taken into captivity, that he let them return back into Israel. And the uh, return of the Jews back to Israel was greatly celebrated. The Levites read the law for the first time in 70 years. The people rejoiced. They built the temple, rebuilt the temple again. It had been completely destroyed by the Babylonians. They rebuilt it. But by the time the Messiah came, they were already in a state of apostasy. And I liken that to our day as we have the restored gospel, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and at the same time, we live in Babylon, the world. And the world is very non-believing. They want to say, well, in our great AI, we have predicted everything. We know everything. We're very knowledgeable. Almost treacherous. Because AI can lead to slavery if we're not careful. because we become so dependent on the machine for everything. And as I've stated, even with self-driving cars, you start to rely on the machine to make the decisions that you used to make when you drive. So you're making lots of decisions while you're driving, and we become more and more dependent on the machine to make those decisions. And so... Within a decade, 
it may be possible that most people will not be driving their car. And maybe that will be a lost art is how to manually drive your car in a day and age when machines with their quadrillion or possibly then by would be quadrillion cycles of processing will do all the navigation. And that will be an interesting aspect of, of uh, machine dependency. So we do. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. We don't worship the machine. It's not a god. It is a tool. But sometimes people can look at things and begin to almost like the uh, 2001 Odyssey with the black megalith. We don't understand something, start to worship it. Idols of stone and brick. And uh, so we we do live in Babylon. We live in a time where there's lots of idols. And Lord sends prophets to tell us things that are going to happen, so that we can't say, "Oh, in our my great wisdom, I knew that." Or my idol told me that. Or my fortune teller told me that. I found it interesting because my daughter, she likes to look at uh, things like that. And I explained to her that those are adjectives and those adjectives have strong archetypes in our mind. And so, you know, I'm building this game where you get a list of adjectives and you have four guesses to figure out what the the noun is. So each with each guess, you'll get an extra character. And so you get a maximum of three characters uh, to get an idea of the word. And then you would have uh, asterisks for the number of letters. So that could give you an idea, kind of, of what the word might be. And maybe, a, you know, for longer words, you get should get a percentage of the characters, maybe two characters for each guess. So you'd have two, four, six. You could have six characters if it was a long word, like constitution. Well, and I, I pulled this through my micro theories that I had created and using those micro theories then I was able to um, extract out the keywords the adjectives and then using similarity compared the similarity of the adjectives to each other and compare the 
similarity of the adjectives to the target noun. And what I was looking for is proper nouns in the sentences. So hopefully that will be a fun game to play. And that uh, is going to be written in Flutter. And I've been thinking about what technologies or what component widget types I should focus on so that I can just practice also on my programming. And again, programming is the art of practice. So, you you know, you get better at it the more you do it. So you, you practice and, and then when you have something important to program, you're capable of doing that. Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed this podcast today. I know we've covered a lot of subjects, but these are not difficult subjects to understand, and um, I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>